0: Well, he needs to be the one that we praise, amen, and definitely needs to be the one that we adore. I hope you've had a good day today in the Lord. Uh, I have been pondering some, and this afternoon was sitting down there and thinking a little bit about Brother Gene. And uh, Brother Gene was a jokester, and uh, Brother Gene liked to pull one on you if he could. And uh, I was telling my wife this evening, I said, Brother Gene got the last laugh on me and uh, he would have got a kick out of it. But uh, I've been preaching on separation and, and defining roles and what a man ought to be doing and what God expects a woman ought to be doing. And I've learned something today. When a man tries to make a decision that ought to be left up to his wife, he'll wreck that thing for sure. And say, what do you mean? And uh, well, I told my wife, I used my infinite wisdom and said, I'll tell you what we'll do. I said, we will uh, we'll pre-order some food from Cracker Barrel. And I said, we'll keep it warm and then take it over to the Bullocks at lunch. And she looked at me funny and I could tell she wasn't too much of an agreement in that, you know. So I took it over there in a crock pot and Brother Shane assumed that my wife cooked the pot roast. And so, Miss Bobby, being the kind, loving host she is, she wanted us to eat, you know. And the things got out of whack. We went home after church, and Olivia shed off all of her clothes and got into something comfortable. Brittany was over here trying to deal with something, and I was in a rush to try to get it over there. Lydia said, Well, I really want to go. I said, Well, I'm just going to run it over and drop it off. She said, Well, I really want to go. I said, All right. So she couldn't go without Olivia going. Olivia said, I want to go. I said, You're not even dressed. So she ran in there and throwed something on. And Brittany was standing out there in the parking lot, and I pulled up, and I said, I'm headed on. I said, I've got the kids with me. She says, well, if you've got the kids with you, I might as well go, too. So we all wound up going. So I go over to deliver the pot roast that looked like my wife made it, yet she didn't. And Brother Shane was bragging on that good-looking pot roast. And I'm looking at the kids, and the kids is looking at me, and I thought, oh, this ain't going to go good at all. And so... I'm sitting there, and my wife's about to break my kneecap off because she's wanting me to tell him that she didn't make that roast. And I'm sitting. I told Brother Shane, I said, "I'll sit in the back." I, that was one time I didn't want to be sitting in the back. I wanted to be out in the front. And I'm sitting there thinking, if y'all just shut up and leave me alone, I'll tell Brother Shane later it ain't no big deal. But it was a big deal to my wife. And Miss Pam, she's so graceful. She leaned over to, to Olivia and she goes, "Your mama makes really good biscuits." And Olivia goes. My mama didn't make none of this. <laughs> so on the way home, on the way home, Brittany's looking at me, and I ain't wanting to look at her. And she says, you know, she goes, that's my bed you lay in at night. And she says, if you want to lay in it tonight, I suggest you fix this problem. I said, yes, ma'am. And so needless to say, the next meal that's going to the Bullocks will be homemade, and my wife will be sure of it, amen? Amen. All right, so we got past all that, praise God. But anyway, nonetheless, we did have an enjoyable visit, and I appreciate that. My knee's a little sore from being pinched, but no big deal. Then to beat all that, I'm in a brown suit today, tonight, instead of my black suit, because I come in, and I made a cup of coffee, and I thought, I've got at least 30 minutes to sit down in the easy chair and relax till I go back down to my study. I made a piping hot cup of coffee, sat down in the recliner, and fell asleep and poured that thing in my lap. <laughs> And I said, "Woo! I come up from there screaming on fire. And so it's been an eventful day, amen, but it's been a good day, glad to be saved. So I told my wife, I said, well, Brother Gene would have got a kick out of that. He got the last laugh on old me, didn't he? All right, well, praise the Lord. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter number seven tonight. 2 Kings chapter number seven. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture, not reading it at one time, just working down through here. So we'll keep our seat tonight. And uh, just read and uh, try to preach through what the Lord has uh, laid on our heart for tonight. Okay, got a got a burden, and going to going to look at some things we were dealing in Sunday school this morning about how uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, no doubt, was was grieved, understanding what he was going to have to go through at Calvary, how he had desired Peter, James, and John to go with him to pray, and how the Lord had went a little farther, and we. We're looking at some things that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ knew that he was going to have to deal with. And we agree that Jesus did expect Calvary to come. He did know that there was an hour in which he would have to give his life. Uh, but you would also agree that there's things in our life that we don't expect, all right? Today's been a perfect testimony of that. <laughs> just things, how things can just get a little bit uh, out of whack. And and let's life. We don't always know what to expect. There's, there's an, almost the expectation to... I expect the unexpected so to speak in life right we we know that life is full of trouble we don't know what's going to come but we do know that there will be trouble and uh, we talk about the expected and the unexpected and as we look at these verses of scripture I want to be reminded and consider tonight we don't know what this world has to hold all right we don't know what we're going to have to deal with in the future. All right, We do know that there is a day out in the future where we will have to draw our last breath. It's a point that a man wants to die. We do know that. But from our birth to our death, we are not aware fully of what all will, will happen in our life. But we do know that we have one that does and one that we trust to help guide us through this walk of life. And I find sometimes there's hesitation. We hesitate sometimes because we have fear That we will not be able to fulfill whatever we set out to fulfill. And fear keeps us beat down from doing what God wants us to do at times. All right? And uh, so as we consider that, looking at these verses of Scripture, I want to start in 2 Kings chapter number 7. Chapter 7, verse number 1. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, what's important about this verse of scripture is we are seeing the price of fine flour. And Elisha is saying that the the price of the fine flour in Laban's terms is going to be dirt cheap. And we find that, but what's, what causes that to seem unlikely is that there was a famine in Samaria, all right? And uh, the, the Syrians had laid siege on Samaria over in chapter number six, and uh, we find that there, there was hunger in the land. Uh, we can read, starting in verses 24, and we're not going to do that, down to verse number 31. You'll find that the price of a, of a donkey head, Brother Shane, was an, 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 a huge amount of money. How much meat could come off a head of a donkey? There were people starving to death. Inflation was at an all-time high because you weren't getting much for a whole lot of money, but because people were starving to death, they were willing to pay whatever they had to to eat. And elisha here we understand the, the, the king was going to have Elisha killed. he was laying blame on Elisha for these, this situation being situation being what it was. And he comes out and he says that the price of fine flour will be sold uh, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. The best I could tell by looking at a conversion, What is a shekel converted into American money would be somewhere between 30 to 60 cents, give or take. I couldn't find an exact figure. There was different conversion charts that said different. And I think that the time frame has something to do with how that was converted, okay? But neither here nor there, we consider that a measure of fine flour is roughly a bushel of flour. So there's going to be a bushel of flour available for roughly 30 to 60 cents in our American money. That's cheap compared to what they were spending just to try to buy a donkey head and boil some of the flesh out of, out of his head, all right? They were, they were hungry. But the Bible said in verse two, then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. In other words, if you're gonna be a smart aleck, and you're not going to hear what the Lord said through me, then you'll see it, but you won't partake of it. And so he was calling him out, if you will, for his arrogance. And so the Bible says here, verse 3, and there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Now I underline that in my Bible, because that's been plaguing me for several weeks. Why were these men entering in, why were they at the entering in of the gate? They were outside the city, Brother Shane. And we find why that is in Leviticus chapter number 13 and verse number 46. Let me read that to you real quick. Chapter 13, verse number 46, the Bible said all the days are in The plague shall be in him. He shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Now first and foremost, we already know and understand that leprosy in the Bible is a type and picture of sin. It attacks the flesh. We understand that. Leprosy will destroy you digit by digit, limb by limb until it takes your life, but it is literally eating away at your flesh. And this leprous one was to be outside the camp of who? God's chosen people. So it's a picture of sin keeping someone away from the people of God. A sinner will never be in the portals of glory with his Savior and with those that have been born again, if he's still a sinner not been cleansed by the washed by the blood, if you will, of the Lamb. And so the leprosy, this disease that was taking the flesh, was causing or wrecking this person's flesh, was to be set outside the camp away from the others. Also a picture of separation. For we know what happens, evil communications corrupt good manners. Amen. All right, so having said that, we see here that there were four leprous men at the entering into the gate. What happened? They all had the same problem, but they were not allowed to be in the city with God's people because of this unclean disease that they had. But here's what the question is. All of of, uh, Samaria is dying and starving and dwindling away because Syria has come in and laid siege upon this land. They have taken over lock, stock, and barrel, and we are oppressed to the point that there's nothing to eat. We are literally going to stay right here in Samaria, which is the capital city of Israel, and we are going to die here because we have nothing to eat. And so the four lepers are sitting outside of the gate, pondering on the situation as it stands. Now in everyday life, before the, the Syrians had come to lay siege, the lepers would have been outside, and the, the people of God would have been inside the, the city, and they would have been living life as normal, life would have been fine, they would have had what they needed, and the lepers would have had to suffer outside the gates. But in this situation, because of the oppression of the land brought on by the Syrians, the lepers are saying, they ain't no better in there than we are out here. And so their mindset is this, why are we sitting out here? What are they going to do to us? Kill us? What's the worst thing that can happen? We're dead already. And so here's what essentially the question is, why sit here until we die? That's a question that you and I ought to ask ourselves spiritually today. Now, we talked the, this morning about uh, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. And we were talking about how all the miles on the feet of those that were preaching the gospel undoubtedly, no doubt, made their feet very dirty. They were grimy, they were uh, calloused, and, 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 and had a lot of abuse, if you will, traveling all those miles. And we talked about how they, they would have got nothing done sitting on the seat of do nothing. But their feet were beautiful because the, the, the shape that their feet was in was a testimony to the willingness to, to live a life that was pleasing unto God and go do what the Lord said I want you to do. Which is why? Send the gospel to every creature to preach what thus saith the Lord God. First of all, these lepers here, I want to say this, they're pondering on something. So, point number one this, this evening is they're they're pondering on something. They're questioning where they are and what they're doing. We must do that today as the people of God. Periodically, from time to time, stop and question where we are in reference to what God's book says we ought to be doing. So they're pondering why sit here until we die. If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. So through their pondering and their reasoning in their mind, they realize, Brother Shane, that whether they sit outside the gate and stay out there where they are supposed to be, or whether they're inside the gate, inside the city of Samaria, they're dead either way. They're dead either way. They have nothing to lose. Now I want to say to you, spiritually speaking, when you and I ponder on our spirituality and where we stand with God, if our feet are not moving and we're sitting on the seat to do nothing outside the camp, waiting on something to change, it's never going to change. Now the brother the other night from Brazil, Brother Barrett, was preaching and he was talking about the providence of God. I 100% believe the Bible teaches us and shows us that God is providential, amen. However, God being providential still requires that you and I move our feet, all right? There's a difference in God being providential and then us sitting down waiting on God to do something when he's expecting us to engage. And a lot of us are not engaged today in this nation in the, in the regular local independent Baptist church, all right? Just kind of in neutral, if you will. The way Brother Shane put it the other morning in Sunday school was just spinning our wheels. We're kind of just staying in place, treading water, if you will, but we're not really swimming. You know, we're floating, but we're not getting anywhere. And so these lepers are said, we're dead already if we don't do something. Now, maybe you're here tonight and never been saved by the grace of God. You're dead already if you don't do something. So you might as well go ahead and put your hope and faith and trust in the Lord. I was telling Brother Marvin the other night on the phone. It takes more faith to believe that God isn't real than to accept God for who he is. Because everywhere we look, we see God. Everywhere you look, you find things you cannot explain. So having said that, we, the Bible says, If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore, come and let us fall under the host of the Syrians. In other words, let's just go and beg for mercy. What have we got to lose if we just go and beg for mercy? When I begged for mercy, Brother Shane, before Jesus Christ, knowing that I was indeed a leper, knowing I was a sinner, knowing that I was on my way to a devil's hell, mercy, pleading and begging for mercy was all I had. It's all you had, but that's all you needed. So they're saying our only chance, our only hope is to plead and beg for mercy. That's anybody's hope and chance. All right, so having said that, we go on. The Bible says, now therefore come and let us fall under the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Now here's the thing, they've pondered on their situation but when they make this statement if they kill us we shall but die now they're looking at probability see we ponder our situation but then we look at the probability of where we are and the probability is this if we just sit still and don't do nothing we're dead if we move and we don't move because of fear we're going to die but if we engage in spite of the fear you say well I might still die you're dead already anyway so what I'm saying to you tonight spiritually is what do we have to lose by engaging in the warfare uh, and, and the service for the Lord and fighting this good fight of faith and spreading the gospel to a lost and dying world? What have we got to lose? As a church tonight, what do we have to lose at Mount Tabor Baptist Church by getting up and going on when the world says we shouldn't? When you and I think that it's a fearful thing to engage in areas of service that we are not comfortable with as human beings, let me remind you, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was not comfortable. He did talk to God. He did beg God. He did look to God to help him through. You and I can't make it without that. We're not going to keep from running into trouble. We're going to have to have help when we do. Okay? So he says, they said, if they shall kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. Now, they were careful, they were considering what was going on, they were using their head. They weren't being ignorant about what they were doing. They were giving themselves the best chance they had, but it was still chance nonetheless. You do understand if God don't help us, we are destined for failure, right? We cannot make it. So, some would say, well, lean on the providence of God. God's expecting us to move, to engage, for our feet to have calluses for our feet to take us towards those that need to hear the gospel. So the Bible said, And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Now here's where it gets interesting. First they were looking and considering and pondering on their situation. Then they were considering the probability of how this would all go down. Sometimes when we consider the probability... We look at the probability, and if it's negative, we choose not to move forward. But we forget that we don't have a fighting chance either way. We might as well go ahead and engage. So the Bible says here, For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Now notice with me, if you will, these these phrases that we're looking at in the Bible. Verse 3 was, why sit here until we die? That's the pondering aspect. Verse 4, at the bottom of verse 4 says, if they kill us, we shall but die. There's the probability. Then we see they go ahead and move on their mindset of going in and taking a chance, if you will, knowing that the probability is they're going to die anyway, verse 6 says, the first part of verse 6 is, for the Lord hath made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise. Now we've gone from pondering on the situation to the probability of the situation, then we see the plan. Now the plan did not become evident until they engaged. You and I wait on the providence of God and do not engage. We'll never get to the plan. Or the providence of God will go around you and work around you and you'll be left sitting outside the gate while God uses another avenue to accomplish what it is that he wants to accomplish. But you will not be part of it. And you will die. I believe there's a lot of spiritually dead people today in our Baptist churches that for fear and probability's sake have not engaged because they don't think they can. And so they just sit outside the gate all along, wither away and die and dry up spiritually. So the Bible says here, verse 6, for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise. ...of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Notice this. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp... They went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried that silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it. I'd say they were in awe. What luck, brother Marvin? What luck! We was just looking at the probability, but because we acted upon a chance, in spite of the probability, look at what we have found. Imagine how hungry they were. Imagine the distress they were in. Then they run into this, this tent and all these things are laid out here and there's no one around. Notice what happens. The Bible says and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver uh, and gold and raiment and went and hid it. And came again and entered into another tent and carried it thence also and went and hid it. So if you'll follow with me we've gone from pondering them saying why sit we here until we die to the probability where they said in verse four and if they kill us we shall but die then we go to verse six and said for the lord hath made the host of the syrians to hear a noise there's the plan god had a plan all along god spoke to elisha elisha did not know how it was going to go work out Elisha just trusted that the fine flour would be cheaper than dirt come the next day. So Elisha had faith in what God told him. But the lepers, how God brought it to pass is what's amazing. God used four men that symbolize a picture of sin to do something to help his people. You know what God's doing with you and me today? Just using some old sinner boys and sinner girls that's been saved by the grace of God to do his work. And God will provide. He's a God of providence, but it comes a lot of times through God's people by being willing to engage. Not that you bring anything to the table, not that I bring anything to the table, except I move my feet. You can be guaranteed tonight that as long as you're sitting spiritually, you will do nothing spiritually. But if you will move your feet, and it's not just spiritually, it's physically physically. You're going to literally have to get up and purpose to do something for God and move your feet. So I don't know how. I don't know what will become of it. I don't know it doesn't matter. None of us do. We're expecting the providence of God, but he's expecting us to put our feet down in the morning and start walking. And so we, we see here the provision. We went from pondering to the probability to the plan. Now we see, after all of these things, the provision in verse eight. So in verse eight, they're just they're having a time, if you will. They eat and they drink. And listen, after they filled their belly, Brother Marvin, because I don't care how much gold and silver is around, if you haven't eaten a long time, you're gonna sit down and pull up to some chicken. And they sit down and they eat till their bellies were full. And they drank until they couldn't drink anymore. And then they looked around and thought, and there's an awful lot of gold and silver here. We might as well take this since it's here for free. But look what they say. Verse number nine. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. Now, notice, if you will, we've went from them pondering. These four boys, out in a world by theirself, probably didn't ask for leprosy. Didn't ask to be dealing with a disease, but they haven't, it nonetheless. It's coming a price to them. Now they're stuck outside the gate. They have nothing to lose. I didn't have one thing to lose, but the shame when I got saved by the grace of God. I had everything to gain. And what's sad, a lot of people can't see it that way. They think by gaining Christ, they're losing everything. Oh, no, friend, you didn't have anything to begin with. So they've pondered, and we see the probability. Then we see the plan of God. We find the provisions. What's interesting to me, Brother Shane, is is Elisha said in verse 1, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. Elisha didn't say tomorrow about this time there'll be four leprous boys gorging themselves on fried chicken and drinking all the the coca cola they could handle. That's not what was said. What we find here is there's been been a matter of, of, of pondering, a matter of probability. Then we see the plan, then we see the provision, but we've not yet seen the purpose. It was not God's purpose for four leprous boys to gorge themselves until they couldn't eat no more and drink no more and to take all the spoil and hide it. It was God's plan to use four leprous boys and and provide for them and take care of their needs while through them he brought provision to his people. And sadly enough, what happens to us as born-again believers say by the grace of God, we we have set outside, we've discovered that we're leprous, We've sat outside the camp, we've been all alone, we've pondered on it, you know, we've thought about the probability, and we've seen the salvation plan, praise God, and I thank the Lord for, for salvation's plan, for the plan of salvation, I thank the Lord for that. But we see the provision, what is the provision? A lot of times we see the grace of God, what Christ done for us, what he done that we might be saved, but friend, it doesn't end there. Jesus didn't go to Calvary so you and I could eat fried chicken, drank Coca-Cola till our belly was full, have all the silver and gold that we can handle, and hide it and hoard it up today, friend. What he done was he took these four leprous boys, these four sinner boys, if you will, that by the world's mindset wasn't worth anything, and through them providentially used them to take care of his people. You know what they had to do? They had to get up and say, "We're tired of sitting outside the gate." And all the Lord's waiting on a lot of times is for us just to get tired of sitting outside the gate. Why sit we here until we die? Destined for we're destined to die. As a church tonight, why sit we here until we die? So I'm not sure we're we're, we're making the right move by doing this or that or the other. Move your feet. Talk to God, pray, move your feet and expect the Lord to do something. Because you can't do it and I can't do it. We're not able anyway. We're expecting God providentially to help us. We have all along. But God before he'll providentially help us is expecting us to engage our feet. We can sit outside and cry. We've done learned by looking this morning, Brother Marvin, everybody's got something to cry about. Every time I ask how many unspoken prayer requests do we have tonight, everybody raises their hand. Do you know why? Because we know not what the person beside of us is going through or dealing with. And that's why Jesus said, it's expedient for me to go away, but I will send the comforter. There is a comforter here to help you and to help me. But we're still to stay engaged. And we, we get frustrated sometimes, we get aggravated, we, we feel like God's not hearing. The, the providence of God is not being seen in our church or in our home. He's just wanting you to move your feet. But unfortunately, there's too many people that sit down, took a sigh and said, I just don't feel like it anymore. And we want the providence of God, but all God's saying is, I, if, you, if you'll just stand up and walk, I'll help you. I want you to notice he didn't just help four leprous boys, although they got help. But he used them to help his entire people, the entire people of Samaria. The Bible said here, we do not well. They understood. They understood. They considered the remainder of those that were left. Now you do understand that they were also aware that if things went back to normal, they would probably still wind up outside that gate. But if they wound up outside that gate, Brother Shane, and all of Samaria wound up better than when they started, they still didn't lose a thing. You and I have nothing to lose by serving the Lord. But we do have everything to gain. So the Bible says here, then they said one to another, we do not well." This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tear to the morning light, Some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. Now we see the purpose. Verse 10 says, so they came and called unto the porter of the city. So they've pondered, they've looked at the probability, they've seen the plan, they've enjoyed the provisions, but then they realize the purpose. And after they realize the purpose... Then verse 10 says, so they came and called in the port of the city. They began to publish. And here's what I want us to understand tonight. You, you may, you say, preacher, I don't know if I could take the Bible and expound it enough for someone to understand it. Just tell them your story. Amen. I got a story. You've got a story. That's the blessing of it. You can tell somebody what God done for you. All these men done was went and told the porter what they'd found. Let me me tell you what we have run into. Let me show you what we have discovered. And so we we find here the purpose and we find that they began to publish. Now you'll find there was some doubt. The king didn't believe what the lepers reported. But when we get over to verse number 16, the Bible said, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians, so a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. We see what God's intention was in the very first verse of the chapter, but we didn't know how it was going to play out. Let me tell you something. Tonight, we know what God's intention is. We know what he wants to do. We don't know how he'll do it. But you can be guaranteed and certain tonight that if you will work and move your feet with a heart to do something for God, God providentially will give you the provisions. Listen, while he was providing for his people, those leopards got to enjoy the provisions of God along the way. You and I in our service for the Lord, God is taking care of us along the way. That's why he says, Brother Shane, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not just seek ye first the kingdom of God, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. God will take care of us tonight and meet our every need, but he wants us to be moving. He wants us to be walking. He wants us to be serious towards him. So we find the providence of God in these verses of Scripture, but they did not know how it would come to pass. Isn't it amazing what God used to get his plan through? God just used four leper boys. Now, when I read this story, I'm reminded of Jeremiah chapter 29. Go with me there quickly, and we'll be done tonight. Jeremiah 29. Now we're considering the, let me give you the definition of providence if I can. The act of providing or preparing for future use or application. Foresight, timely care, particularly active foresight or foresight uh, accompanied with the procurement of what is necessary for future use or with suitable preparation. What is most interesting is while everything is under control, everything isn't Uh, necessarily the way that God wants it to be. God has everything under control. But we understand that God, as I've mentioned many times, doesn't always have his desires met by us. We are free moral agents, right? And just because we believe in the providence of God doesn't mean everything's gonna be just fine. We've gotta move. We've gotta move our feet. But Jeremiah 29 basically is this. It is what thus saith the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah to those who had been taken captive out of Jerusalem under the reign of Jehoiakim and brought into Babylon by king Nebuchadnezzar. This is this is the the first captivity right here. Okay? You find this time frame in 2nd Kings chapter 24 verses 10 through 16. All of Judah had not been taken captive at this time in this verse of scripture. But notice with me what is said here. The Bible says in verse number one, now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. Go with me to verse four. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captive Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem into Babylon, build ye houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give you daughters to husbands. In other words, they've been taken captive, Brother Shane, pulled out of their land, but they're getting a word from the Lord that tells them here to build houses, to dwell, to plant gardens to eat the fruit, to take wives to beget sons, it says and give you daughters to husbands that you, that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. In other words, don't dry up and die in captivity. but continue to raise sons and daughters and to marry and to, and to, to plant to plant gardens and to eat so that you can sustain life because I'm not done with you. I'm not through with you. Sometimes we look at where we're at in this life and we feel oppressed as Christians because we live in a nation that doesn't agree with our standards and our morals and our Bible. And it almost, you just want to quit. You look at the trash that's going on in the public school system today and the stuff that they're shoving kids down kids' throat. Now they're teaching kids this, this matter... Don't even get me started on what they're teaching kids tonight. I'll run off for sure off the rails. But we look at it and we see it for what it is. It gets discouraging. But he says here in verse 6, Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give you daughters to husbands that they may bear, sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. In other words, don't die in captivity. He's saying right now is as good a time as any to have children because I'm not done with you yet. He said, seek the peace of the city whether I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it for in the peace thereof you shall have peace. He said, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. That work for us today, amen. Neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Well, we could say that today where we're at everybody preaching anything? you don't like what I'm preaching, go somewhere else. You'll find something that you can agree with, whether it's Bible or not. But then look at verse 10 tonight. It said, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished. What's going on? God's doing something. He has a purpose. He has a plan. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Well, he hadn't forsaken them. He hadn't forsaken them. He said, for I know the thoughts. Oh, I love that. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Now, we don't know what he's doing. We just looked in 2 Kings chapter number 7 and understood that God had a mindset to do something. Elisha knew what it was, trusted that God would do what he said, but he did not know how the provision would come. Right here, the Lord says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know his thoughts. We don't understand what he's doing, but let me tell you something. He understands what he's doing and God's still in control. And how do you fall into that plan is whether or not you're willing to stand up and go and work and do something for the glory and for the honor of God. If you want to lay down and die, friend, there's plenty of dying for everybody. If you want to spiritually dry up, You can lay there and spiritually dry up. You're guaranteed to. You have nothing to lose. Getting up and doing something for the Lord. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Listen now, to give you, to give you an expected end. Can I say to you, the very beginning of 2 Kings chapter number seven, we've seen the, uh, the expected end. We didn't know how the providence of God would work that out, but we've seen the expected end. Can I say tonight, we see the expected end. When I got on my hands and knees before an Almighty God and cried unto Jesus Christ and said, I'm but a sinner, Lord, save me, I'm destined for hell. Would you please save me, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I may not have said it in those words, but you're understanding what I'm getting at. I did not know how the Lord would get me from my second birth to my first death. But I did know that I could expect to be with Jesus someday. And here's the thing, you and I don't have to know the in-between part. We just have to trust that he knows. He knows his thoughts towards us. There is an expected end and we have to engage. And tonight, everything else doesn't matter the in-between parts of when you got saved to when you draw your last breath, it doesn't matter what God wants to do. He knows what he wants to do. He has thoughts of peace towards you. He's not out to hurt you. He's not out to get you. He is out to teach you, but he's wanting you to engage. And you're going to beat yourself out of a blessing and the providence of God if you sit down and dry up spiritually and do not go on and say, I am willing to put foot in shoe leather and start walking. We have an expected end. You can expect the unexpected, friend, while expecting the expected. I thank the Lord for that. And you could expect him to help you tonight with the unexpected. You know, Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. But when he taught the disciples how to pray, he prayed differently, Brother Marvin, when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying because he needed to reach God to help him with his flesh. Because his flesh was dreading What his flesh was going to have to endure. Is what he taught the disciples wrong? No, absolutely not. But we see the importance of what it is to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and beg God to help us because we will but die. But why sit here until we die? What have we got to lose by changing? Not our motives, not our methods, not our Bible but being willing to do something different if God says do something different. The Bible said in verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. I thank God for the expected end. The Bible does say in John chapter 14 and verse number three, or verse number two, in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, will I, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I have an expected end. How I get there, I don't know. But what lies between now and then, God just wants me to keep moving. And I fear the devil's, just want, the devil's doing all he can, Brother Marvin, to stop the work of God. And you just need to do this today. Trust him and keep putting one foot in front of the other and wait on the providence of God. God will get through, done through you what he wants to do if you will keep walking. Sister, if you'll come to the piano, let's all stand to our feet. Those that can, those that cannot, do not feel obligated to do so tonight. They thought the flower wouldn't be, they did, had no, no way did they believe that flower would be that cheap the next day. Imagine their surprise. We look at what the probability is of things at times and what tomorrow will hold. We don't know how close we might be, Brother Marvin, to God really being about to do something. And you know, all it took for God to do something, Brother Shane, was four lepers to sit there and ponder on their situation. Realize they had nothing to lose and just get up and go for it. (laughs) You know what we got to do? Let's get up and go for it. Let's throw long, if you will. Let's punt the ball. Let's do something and trust God. And I believe God will work. While she plays, if you need to come talk to God, come come pray, you come pray tonight, all right?